Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Murphy's Law Podcast, EPL Week 2. I'm your guest host, Theo Guest, and I'm joined here by our soccer guru, excuse me, football guru, (laughs) Michael Murphy. Hello. And also by uh, our other resident Swansea pro, Joseph Murphy. Hey, how's it going, Theo? All right, pretty good, pretty good. We're going to jump right in, and uh, we're going to start with a little bit of a new segment this week because we want to talk about some different parts of football that last week we kind of only got into analytics and now we want to go a little bit into you know more of the surrounding aspects of the league that maybe a lot of people here might not understand so we're going to go into a little bit of rules and uh for for our segment this week we're going to have mike go into a little bit of how the relegation process works so mike do you want to kick us off with that and uh maybe see if we can explain it to the listeners yeah sure so, in England, anyway, uh, the bottom three teams of each league uh, go down. Every season, once the season's over, the bottom three teams are in what's called the relegation zone, and they uh, all three of them go down, guaranteed go down to the next division lower. And then, uh, and then if you're not in the Premier League, you can get promoted. So the top two teams... The team that wins the league and the team that finished second are guaranteed to be promoted. And then third through sixth placed uh, finishers play in a playoff where third place plays sixth place and then fourth and fifth play. And then it's two legs for the semifinals, I guess you could call it. And then the winners of those two games play in the final to see who will go up. So the winner of that goes up. And then in other countries, it's sometimes it's a little bit different. For example, in Germany, uh, they only have 18 teams in the Bundesliga, but basically two teams are guaranteed to go down, and then the... Third, third worst. Yeah, so 16th place in that case uh, plays the third best in the division below, uh, and the top two in the division below are guaranteed to go up. And then third best in the division below and third worst in the top division uh, play each other in a playoff, and whoever wins stays up or goes up. So last season, Swansea was one of the teams that was relegated. We ended up finishing 18th with West Brom and Stoke. Um, obviously, as being a fan of a relegated team, it really sucks. It's super not fun. Um, thank you for the Michael's patting me on the shoulder. Um, a lot of aspects of <clears throat> being relegated that are important to consider is that um, the amount of money a team will be making is significantly less when you get sent down to the championship, which is the division below the English Premier League. That's uh, where Swansea currently are, and that's where Michael was describing the two teams that automatically get promoted and then the next four that compete for the final third promotion spot. But, uh, yeah, Swansea have shed a lot of players. Generally, when you get relegated, you'll lose kind of your top echelon players. Um, it's a little bit different with Swansea, which I've talked about last week and probably will touch on this week, where it's kind of more asset-stripping, selling, as, getting as much money as possible from players, and it doesn't really matter the results for the club because of the owners. Um, All right, I did have actually one follow-up question about that. So we talked about parachute payments a little bit last week and how relegated clubs will actually get a percentage of the TV money contract is I believe what we had said last week mm-hmm. and I was wondering you know it goes for you know a predetermined period of time so they get it for a few years three years mm-hmm. um, and 
teams pretty much they have that window to get back up and then after that three years you know is there a do you guys ever see a significant drop off in like how long it'll take then for a team to get back up if they don't get up in that window is that kind of their time to get up that's when they have money to spend on players definitely i think that's a big way to help kind of stem the difference um a big part of getting relegated is bulk up for the championship uh, but definitely, I think if you look at the stats, it shows that it's easier to get back up in those three three years. And if you don't, then it's kind of more of the long haul, where by then you really have a championship team. Whereas like Stoke this year, for example, well, I wouldn't say they have a classically championship team in that they still have talents like Jack Butland and Peter Crouch, of course. And say no more. Well, I can't believe a, he's, he's still a playing. championship player, I yeah. would say. Uh, wow, okay. I mean, he's scored goals Well, in no, no, no. I'm saying, he's be- I'm saying he's better than that, but I think he's like... <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Cha- ...championship-like type yeah. of player. <clears throat> Absolutely. Kind of tall. He's a little bit old, though, at this Strong. point, I know. Yeah, that's what I originally meant. 37, I think. Um, did you have anything to add on that, Michael? Yeah. So, obviously, the parachute payments, it makes it harder after three years just because you're not... The cash flow isn't necessarily there, but also I feel like... If a team gets finishes 18th, say, and so they were definitely not the worst team in the league, maybe they could keep some of the more loyal quality mm-hmm. players for about a year or two. But, I mean, if you're, like, a good player and your team gets relegated and it's, like, your childhood team and you want to stay with the club, after probably a season, maybe they'd stay for two. But, I mean, I can't see you staying in the championship for three years when you're... Right. a Premier League caliber player, mm-hmm. whereas some of the players where the club doesn't mean as much to them will just leave as soon as they get relegated. But by the year third or fourth season of being in the championship, pretty much most of your players are championship caliber at best, mm-hmm. and you kind of have lost your Premier League quality ones. That, and that would be kind of where maybe you have a few really good young players or you have a couple of transfer windows in a row where you just hit it and you get high quality players for good prices you're really smart with your money and you have academy players all coming together at once and then you have I mean a Premier League push like how it happens with any club but for sure. one interesting example I think of loyalty would be Duncan Watmore for Sunderland I'm pretty sure he's still there you really overrate him but yeah I mean he played really well in the Premier League and now they're in the uh, football league, league right yeah, yeah league one but yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're going to get up, get up as quick as you can, because mm-hmm. otherwise you can get kind of mired down in the championship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you guys for covering the uh, relegation. And, and then on the other side of the table, we will also cover promotion and Champions League status all around for uh, leagues all around Europe. We'll eventually talk about you know what it takes to, to join the Champions League and, and how the Champions League actually works, because... For a lot of people that don't see it on a daily basis, you know, we might just see the finals, but it's a, it's a pretty complex league, the way the scheduling is and, mm-hmm. and uh, how teams can actually be in the Champions League and then go down into another tournament if they if they lose out, and we'll go into detail on all that later. But Definitely. I think one thing, just for everyone listening, um, we're going to be looking to do kind of a segment like this, starting off the podcasts, and then we'll go through interesting matches from the previous uh, set of fixtures, talk a little Swansea, if anything else is on our minds, and then run through predictions for the upcoming week. But kind of dropping in this segment in the beginning of the pods is just to cover something maybe your average American soccer football fan doesn't know or just something that we find really interesting from that week. And if you have any thoughts, you can uh, tweet at Murphy's Law EPL Pod on Twitter, 
and uh, let us know. All right, well, let's jump yeah. into the matches from uh, last week. So the first one we're going to go ahead and talk about is um, Brighton versus Man U, which finished in a 3-2 Brighton win. And Joe and I were actually talking in the car on the way over about how Mourinho's really you know, skating on thin ice here, and he's not very liked at the moment, and, and kind of just his demeanor and behavior towards his players. We're talking about how just kind of it seems just basically out of line to us. And I wanted to hear about the game and about him from both of you guys. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good game. Well, an okay game. United played really, really poorly to me. They just, uh, they were, it's not like Brighton won the game in the last minute. It's not like they were playing well and then Brighton snuck up upon them. Brighton scored pretty early. And United were down more or less the whole game, and they really didn't kick past the, like, second gear the whole time and didn't really create any chances. Um, but I thought Brighton played really well. I thought Gaitan Bong on the left side, the left back, played really well. He got in some good areas. He didn't produce the best quality crosses, but he was really annoying to play against for the United uh, defenders. I thought the United center backs played absolutely horribly. Um, I, I definitely agree there. Um, I thought it was an interesting combination of United, like the United center backs, like you were saying, playing pretty dreadfully, just passing the ball around without any kind of thought process or plan. It didn't look like how with City you see it ping around in sort of an octagon or a hexagon, whatever shapes, where it's you know they've done that many times in practice before. It looked more like, oh, I have the ball, I'm being pressed, I want to get rid of the ball. Um, I also definitely agree with your points about Brighton. I thought they played great and really attacked well, I thought, um, for kind of an interesting team, a smaller team like most people might not know a lot about. I definitely think that they really showed some quality. Yeah, um, also... With this, kind of like we said with the city defenders, some of the time you can, like when you're going back watching the highlights after the play's already unfolded, it's not, they can't see fully ahead, but usually when city play some of their passes, they're at least seeing two passes into the future. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Ederson plays it to Laporte and he knows that Stones is going to be open for the ball. And Laporte plays it to Stones and knows that Walker is going to be making a run forward. And Fernando is going to be coming. It's going to be multiple things. I think that's what really separates having the plan is like, oh, I hopefully the right back is going to be there. But instead with City, it's they'll pass to the midfield. Like Stones will pass it to Otamendi or Laporte, and then they'll know someone from the midfield and their fullback will be there, as well as right. obviously Ederson constantly being able to distribute like a quarterback. So, but anyway, um, for Mourinho, oh yeah, yeah, um, I think he's really on thin ice. But there are a few things, in my opinion, that it can get a manager sacked. The biggest one, obviously, being uh, not getting results. Check falling out with the board. Check. Uh, making the player he, I mean just the main one I think for him is I think he's definitely lost the dressing room which is 
not usual to say two games in the season, but I just don't think he's been able to get the players to buy into his philosophy. And as a result, I don't think... I mean, looking at them on the pitch, Pogba, for example, that whole game, he just didn't look like he wanted to be there. Even after he scored his penalty, he was... I mean, they were obviously down, and it, it didn't really matter, but he didn't really show any signs of emotion, really. And I think Mourinho is really, really pushing it. And I think if something big doesn't change soon, either they start getting results or the players come out and defend him or he wins back the locker room, I think we could be seeing him sacked mm-hmm. by the end of the it's, season. I was talking it's, to Theo about that on the way over. I was saying, um, yeah, it, by like, Christmas, I was saying if they're not in the top four and hypothetically didn't qualify for the next round of the Champions League, I think that would be a time for him to get the sack. For sure. I don't think with a club like United, they'll sack after early in the season or <clears throat> or like a particularly bad loss. But I definitely agree. Um, just in the criticism of how he's handled the team, tactically he's been pretty unimpressive. And I definitely think that if you look at it purely from the Glazers, which is the American family that owns... Um, Manchester United, they don't want to see something like this with a, a manager of their company, air quotes, um, falling out with their most expensive and marketable asset, which would right. be Paul, Paul, Paul Pogba. And I mean, he's just, I mean, he's the biggest player they'll have for the next 10 years, I would say. Like, this is someone that they can build the rest, like have a, a huge dynasty with, one of the best midfielders in the world. And kind of is being um, wasted wasted again we were also talking in the car about how um you know even though it is only you know the second week of the year how the frustration has been building for a long time it's not like this frustration has been building just mm-hmm. over the first two weeks of the season it's visible to the world especially especially just uh, to football watchers during that time you can see what's going on with him and w- with the club but we've been talking about how the summer was very frustrating for him not getting the players that he wanted. And if he's kind of maybe just being a crybaby about it, I didn't get the players I wanted. I don't know what to, you know, if he's not happy with the team he's running out there, then, you know, maybe he's just kind of electing to, you know, stage a little silent protest himself. He doesn't really want to do anything. He didn't get the guys he wanted. That's the crazy thing, though, to me, is that it's not a silent protest. It's like the most... Negative, unsilent. yeah, unsilent, loud would be another word. <laughs> uh, protest of just like whinging, just complaining, negativity, everything is bad. The quotes from him when they were out in LA. Anti quiet. Uh, yeah, yeah, anti quiet. Um, <laughs> the quotes from him when they were out in LA for their preseason were unbelievable, just like so whiny and how everything was shit, and that all his players were out from the World Cup, and like he didn't have enough players, and uh, just that. City were able to bring their young players and blah, right. blah, blah. Which is weird. When you look at it, I think they had a much stronger team than City on the yeah, U.S. City's team was... Pep was just trying out right. literally every single person who's... But I think that's because they were thin. I don't think that's because he yeah, just was like, I City don't care. I think what, he cares. the most cares. players in, your, in any team right. but in like, the world, I think. But it's not like the, the more senior cup. players were out on... Uh, yeah. Preseason, they I, were just they were on their breaks from right that too. Up, so, but okay. yeah, um, definitely a, a cluster. 
Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that uh, they don't they don't really me- uh, sack. They don't really want to sack someone after one really bad game. I thought it was interesting because obviously the last manager before Mourinho was uh, uh, Louis Van Hall, who was very infamous for playing bad football, but they <laughs> uh, sacked him like very soon after they won the FA Cup uh, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So it was showing that despite how fed up they might have been, despite how fed up the players might have been, and despite how fed up the fans might have been, they didn't want to sack him and then bring in some interim manager or whatever or give, say, Jose, like, 10 weeks to end the season because mm-hmm. he just doesn't know the squad and it's not really his squad yet. Yeah, I could see him maybe getting sacked right before January, just that, or they would have to wait till the summer because I don't think they're going to bring in a new manager after January with Jose's squad because then he's stuck with those players till the end of the season. There's no I think moves that make he them, can make. I agree with the fact that that makes the most sense. I don't necessarily yeah, I could agree also that see that's it what it's going to be. If they lose three games right. to lower-level teams on the dot and the the pressure is just too much. On the trot. Yeah, whatever. Well, also on the dot. Uh, yeah. And the pressure is just too much that the, the Glazers just have to mm-hmm. pull the trigger, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I think this is a good point for us to to have to come back to. I think it, or to I think it's something we will be coming back to, maybe not week in and week out, but certainly Through monthly will be. Yeah, Jose over the course of the season, we'll be. Uh, yeah, we'll be watching that for how you know with his job status basically. But um, do you guys have any final comments on that, or can we go ahead and let's move nope. on to the. To the second match there. Just, I was very impressed with how Brighton played. I think that's worth noting. Despite how bad United were, I think Brighton played well. So. Yeah. Match number two, we're looking at Chelsea-Arsenal, which is which is a historically mighty match, for lack of a maybe better adjective there. But um, <laughs> Arsenal's looked weak, and the game ended up being better than I thought. Arsenal looked weak week one, excuse me. Uh, but the game ended up being better than I thought. Arsenal probably should have had four or five goals. They had at least five chances where crosses were, came in from the baseline. Ooh, I'm thinking of very... Like I'm thinking of... Because we were sitting on the couch watching this game, mm-hmm. and there was these very specific chances that kept happening every time. Somebody would go up the right side, and then they would get to the base, the and middle. yep, really? cut it right to the middle, and somebody would be running in and hit it from... Hit you know, the first time... Over the, flies yeah. over the bar. Yep. That's the Conte space. Where, <laughs> I mean, last year, traditionally, that'd be where N'Golo Conte was for Chelsea. And then Maurizio Sarri comes in from Napoli in Italy. Sarri ball. Yeah, Sarri ball, looking for more possession. He's looking for someone that can be athletic, carry the ball, and distribute, which Conte definitely can and has been showing. He's, like, I think, He's like very good. He's super good. Yeah. I just think it's interesting to see... The, and you're losing out on the defense of Conte. You're losing out on him covering two people playing in that position, and he does it by himself. But now, since he's up the field, then the ball can get cut back. There's no one there. Right. I mean, yeah, I think it's think? been really interesting to see because obviously Pedro's been playing mm-hmm. on the right mostly for Chelsea, and he hasn't been. He's been basically Jose Callejon uh, mm-hmm. was like what like he was for Napoli uh, under Sarri. So he hasn't been playing like a traditional winger. He's been coming back a lot. So I think it's been interesting to see Conte will 
and I think Jorginho told him this in preseason apparently to get in behind and that's how he scored his goal is Jorginho will send it through to him right. um, but anyway yeah I think if Aubameyang doesn't score in the next two or three games he should probably uh, be a little bit more careful when he goes out in public in London I think we'll be seeing him lining up not fully as a left winger, but further out huh. wide. And then Lacazette through the middle with Mkhitaryan on the right and Ozil behind them. Ozil had a really, really close chance, which wasn't really mm-hmm. his fault. But Aubameyang, oh my god. Everyone was saying before the season he could be like the top scorer, one of the top scorers. He missed so many chances. Yeah. And Iwobi as well. But I mean, Iwobi won, he scored their second goal. So he kind of made up for it. And you don't really expect Alex Iwobi to be scoring too many goals. Whereas Aubameyang is like the goal scorer for Mm -hmm. Arsenal. Absolutely. And it was funny. um, So he missed the chances. He skied a few. He was in decent positions. And then one time he was offside. And then he scored a really nice goal in the bottom corner of the outside of his boot. And he was offside. Barely offside. Yeah. By the way, Chelsea did win that game 3-2, which I forgot to mention at the beginning of this. Um, but yeah, I was I ended up being really happy with the result in that game. I'm not a Chelsea fan. I don't really like them, to be honest. But um, <laughs> Who does? But after the first 15 minutes, I definitely thought they were going to run away with the game. Yeah. And they didn't. But I also did think that they probably did deserve to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was okay with the results. Yeah, it was really interesting. They scored... Their first goal, they were dominant, scored their first goal, were dominant, scored their second goal, played terrible, and then Arsenal missed a bunch of chances, should have won, but overall I think Chelsea deserved to win. Definitely. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, let's jump into uh, our third game. We had Leicester City versus Wolverhampton. Leicester ended up winning 2-0, but uh, doing it with only 10 men on the pitch at the end of the game. Mike, I know this was was a game that you were really interested in from this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I uh, predicted this as 2-2, um, or 2-1 actually to Wolves. It ended up being obviously 2-0 to Leicester. I thought, honestly, like three players played well for Leicester. I thought Chilwell looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison looked good, although his goal was kind of a lucky deflection. And I thought Ricardo Pereira played absolutely out of his mind I thought he was the most dangerous player he looked super good and honestly uh, Michael Doherty the Irish right back for Wolves had probably the worst game of his career scoring an own goal and missing an open net Mm -hmm. but other than that pretty much every Wolves player played well Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny Otto looked really good at left back Moutinho hit the crossbar Otto hit the post Raul Jimenez, who I kind of thought was just going to be their uh, big man up top, looked fast, good with the ball, hit the post, Again, and was too. creating chances. Yeah. yeah, he hit the post twice, I think. Well, oh, he looked good last week, too. Oh, yeah, but he was more of a big man, I thought, last week. This week he created a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really seen much from Diogo Jota yet for... Uh, Wolves, I think he's really good, one of the best players in the championship last year. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll just take a little bit more time to adjust to the Premier League. And I'm interested to see Ryan Bennett lose his position because I thought he's been pretty subpar. And I'm interested to see Leander Dundunker, mm-hmm. uh, who yeah. I 
assume will play uh, center back. I'm not sure he might play in midfield. Joe? That'd be interesting if he played in midfield with Moutinho and Neves playing behind them, but I also thought center back for me. Um, I was also impressed with James Madison. I was impressed with him last week, and he looked good this week. He's a little bit bigger than I expected him to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I agree his goal was a little bit scrappy. All in all, it's an entertaining game, and I'm just I think it'll be should be a good season for both those teams to keep an eye on. Definitely. Did either of you guys have any comments on Vardy's red? Did I mean I think we were all pretty clear on clear red, Easy but red. yeah, but were there any thoughts on you know was it just a stupid challenge? Was there anything nothing going through his head at that point? Eh, I'd say a rush of blood. No offense. Over eager. No, yeah, no offense to Vardy, but. There was really nothing for him. Like, the best possible situation when you're sliding in from behind is that you miss the player and the ball and nothing happens. Right. Like, the only other option would have been to get a red card. Especially in the way he did it. I mean, it was pretty reckless and just... Two-footed. Yeah, just kind of throwing his body in. Definitely think a red card there, Mr. Theo. We had Tonwin Fulham, which I know, you know, I don't think we have that much... To go over on, but it ended up with a three-one win for Tottenham, and uh, Harry Kane got his got his goal in August, which mm-hmm. I know we've been talking First about. First in fifteen Premier League games. Oh, nice. There you go. Um, and yeah, they ended up getting a three-one win, and they scored those last two goals late. You know, they had a tie game until about the seventieth. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Trippier uh, with a oh yeah a free uh, kick. In, uh, Russia-esque free kick. Mm-hmm. Beauty. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, so they got the win at home, won the game they should. Um, that Fulham still looked fine. I yeah. think they'll be entertaining this season, kind Mi- of finding their legs. And, Mitrovic, yeah. I think, hit the post, and then he had one chance set up well by Kamara, who I thought looked energetic. Mm-hmm. And it was on his left foot from, like, just inside the box, and he just really sliced it. Mm. I, oh, remember, I, I, saw that. Yeah. I remember we were talking about one thing, because I remember in week one, our, our after week one, we had talked about how Mitrovic is kind of going to be there in the air, but he's not really going to be one to link up play. That's what I remember down that. on the ground. Yeah, but they had he had one gorgeous link up in which he ended up. Did he hit that off the post, or was that, or did he just hit that wide? That might have been a stuffed it. one. I yeah. mean, with Kamara that I mentioned. Yeah. But he had a couple, he, or he had that one really nice, you know, link up with uh, with Kamara and. I don't know. I, I was pretty impressed. I think they'll be they'll be good going forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously he scored before in the Premier League with Newcastle, but I thought I haven't seen too much of him. But I thought that was one of his better Premier League games that I can remember. I thought he played really well. Maybe not on paper, but I thought he looked dangerous and was causing problems. Mm-hmm. All right, agreed. Next up, we have got uh, Crystal Palace and Liverpool. The Monday night match. Liverpool took this one two nil. Another game they should win. I was excited for this matchup, and I was kind of... I mean, I like Liverpool, I like watching Liverpool despite being an Everton fan, but I thought that uh, Crystal Palace would do a little bit better defending their own home turf, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you guys think about that one? Yeah, I thought it would have been really interesting. Obviously, it always is when players hit the crossbar early and their team ends up losing to see what could have happened if uh, Andros Townsend's absolute... Scorcher of a left footer from outside the box mm-hmm. hadn't smashed the crossbar, and Allison conceded his first Liverpool goal just to see how they would have reacted to Palace going up one nil. Um, Which entirely possibly would have fallen to pieces. So that's a very good point. I feel. Yeah, but 
obviously the Liverpool's first goal, the penalty, probably a penalty. Salah really made sure to sell it, I think. But and then the the red card, I thought. Honestly, looking back at it, I don't know if Wan-Bissaka even really touched Salah, to be entirely honest. I mean, there was really not much contact there. Um, but, I mean, if there was, it would have been a red card, obviously, because he's in, and then Mane with a really nice goal. Next up, we had Man City in Huddersfield, and this match went about as you might expect, right? We had a 6-1 win from Man City, the first hat-trick this season from uh, Kun Aguero. And Kun. Kun. I don't know. Are there any thoughts on this one? This one was just about as one-sided as it comes. And I thought as dominant as Man City were, I think they obviously deserve a lot of praise. Um, and like I said earlier, I thought Brighton versus when they played United looked really good. I think counter to that, Huddersfield looked really poor. They were kind of all over the place. They weren't pressing. Giving the ball away, didn't look like they had a real plan. I mean, just pretty unimpressed with uh, Huddersfield overall. Not to say I told you so, but I remember last week Theo had this big thing about Ederson, but I thought Ederson looked ten times better in that game. Obviously, he assisted Aguero's first goal, which was... That shows uh, his talent. I mean, he hit that like a, it looked like a, was, golf, like a golf hit. 80... Four yard pass or something like that. Yeah. Just spot on to Aguero, or obviously Swerved there's there's no offsides on goal <clears throat> kicks. Uh, Ederson's really been taking advantage of that since he joined City. Um, and then it was just a beautiful goal by Aguero, maybe the pick of the bunch. But obviously David Silva, who provided a great moment when he brought his uh, severely premature son onto the pitch before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's apparently doing really well, and Silva scored a really, really good free kick. That was a really nice free kick. I was surprised he took it, and then you put it in the top corner. And yeah, I know. I was, I was thinking it was going to be Gundo on the whole way. Mm-hmm. Mendy looked really great that game. Yeah, too. Mendy played amazing, but. Uh, all in all, what else is new? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> City looked imperious. No more needs to be said. All right. And then I know. Uh, Mike, you wanted to talk a little bit about that Cardiff City-Newcastle match. The yeah. The draw. Yeah, so uh, obviously I was saying last week, don't watch this game. It's going to be terrible. Harry Arder is bad. But uh, he scored, a, or he almost scored a really good goal. He should have been sent off. There's Everyone in that game should have been sent off, to be honest. Uh, Isaac Hayden did get sent off. Stone Cold Red. Kennedy kicked someone who didn't have the ball. Stone Cold Red, but that didn't get called. Kennedy had a dreadful game, right? Yeah, and, and he also completed passes in missed, the first half. missed a penalty to win the game in the 95th minute. Or it was saved. But Cardiff looked decent. Mostly I was just impressed that they were able to contain Newcastle, who finished 10th last season, who weren't great goal-scoring-wise, but they're... They're a team that I can't see get getting relegated in the foreseeable future, uh, whereas Cardiff I can see getting relegated this season. Yeah, a, mm-hmm. a 6.30 kickoff that I'm glad I didn't wake up for. Well, there were a lot of red cards. Yeah, so it does sound pretty lively, to be fair. but <clears throat> I was happy I woke up for it, and then I uh, turned Regretted it off. in the it instantly. No, I, I was okay with it, but then I turned it off in the 90th minute, and I missed the only <laughs> bit of action, which was that penalty <laughs> kick. So, um, oh, Kennedy. But anyway, uh, 
On to the next one. We've got Everton and Southampton 2-1. We're starting to get into these games. That I don't know if we have too much detail. These are a little bit of snoozers over Ooh, here. One thing I did have, I actually don't have anything written down for this one, but I remember from watching the game, or the highlights at the very least, was... Um, Danny Ings missed a ton of chances. No. Uh, it was Theo yeah. Walcott on the free kick for Everton, where That's it was it. set up. Leighton Baines ran up like he was about to blast it in. And uh, instead, he passed it, played it short, and Schneiderland played it through Theo, who was right on the edge of the wall and got to run in. So that was nice. Other than that, I thought it was a fine game. Sigerson looked great. Yeah, Everton's attack played amazing. Uh, Theo. Yeah, Richardson scored. Theo Walcott and Sigerson had this one in particular where it was like a. Uh, Sigurdsson dribbled it up then gave it to Walcott as a give and go like a double give and go mm-hmm. and Walcott was absolutely in and he just dragged it well wide um, but I thought Jordan, eh, I don't know if Pickford I can't quite decide if Pickford should have gotten sent off or not because he had every right to go for that ball and he did technically get the ball but he obviously if you watched that game you would have seen there was a like probably two to three, yeah, like two-foot hole in Danny Ng's shirt um, on the back because Pickford uh, kicked the ball away and Karate kicked Ng's in the back. This is, that was an incident I think me and Theo both missed, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I didn't can't see speak it. to that, but I can see Jordan Pickford doing that. He seems to be a very angry fellow. Could he's also a big, he's a big guy. So. He's short, though. Yeah. He's like six foot. He just went, he's just... But he's big. thick. Yeah, he's thick, <laughs> and he would like... Be, like he just is really animated yeah like coming out that's not the goalkeeper you want to crash into yeah exactly because he's gonna elbow you he's gonna one he might not well he might not get the ball because he's too short but he's definitely gonna catch you in the neck with his elbow and, and, break, <laughs> and break your nose yeah exactly neck and nose break your nose trying to punch the ball here yeah. it was the only other thing I was gonna say there's this other th- there's another couple of games we haven't talked about yet for the week we've got West Ham and Bournemouth was 2-1. Burnley-Watford 1-3. Watford took that one. And I believe that those are actually the last two games. The only other thing I kind of wanted to mention is, I mean, only two games I know, but Bournemouth tied for the top of the table. They've got all six points. Haven't dropped a single one. Bournemouth's first goal by uh, my guy Callum Wilson was... <laughs> Probably not goal of the week with some of the crazy goals scored, but unbelievable. Terrible defending, but he ran through like six West Ham players and then Nutmeg Fabianski. Yeah. It looks like a goal you'd see happen in like France, but the quality defending. Yeah. But. Um, And then the Watford-Burnley game, I predicted to be 1-0 Burnley because it's home and that's what Burnley do, but Watford played really well. Mm-hmm. Will Hughes scored a banger, and Burnley are looking like maybe not relegation but not I don't Euro- know not Europa League this year yeah I don't I can't see them finishing higher than 12th yeah. to be honest definitely have been hearing a lot of people saying how it's the Europa League curse or whatever which I think is garbage it's not a curse it's just playing on playing th- Sunday Thursday is a recipe for tired legs and um <clears throat> yeah I kind of think Sean Dyche has the right mentality though he kind of said yeah we're in the Europa League get on with it yeah we're in the Europa League get on with it you sound like Batman uh, I'm not the one wearing Sean Dyche pads anyway um <laughs> which I think is exactly the opposite of what ended up getting Claudio Ranieri sacked where he was saying we're in the Champions League man dilly ding dilly dong um and he was kind of just enjoying the moment, I guess you could say, whereas Sean Dyche is more down-to-earth, mm-hmm. 
like he's kind of over the whole Europa League thing. Like he's like, we're still in the Premier League. We still have to, if we want to get back to the Europa League, we still have to play well in the Premier League and focus on the basics. Mm-hmm. And they played well in their in their game on Thursday, didn't they? Did they yeah. win. Yeah, they're so, against Istanbul Bishop. a stark conta- contrast to the game against Watford where they played absolutely terrible. Exactly. True. Nice. All right. Yeah, I think that's, that's all we were going to cover for in terms of recap from uh, last week's fixtures. And we're back with the second half here of the Murphy's Law EPL podcast. We're going to go into a quick championship check-in with Joe, and then we're going to uh, get right on to our predictions for this week's fixtures. We'll go through those all together and tell you how awfully we did last week. So that sounds great. Joe, you want to jump in with the championship check-in? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so Swansea played Leeds today and they ended up drawing 2-2 with what I would consider one of the strongest teams in the championship. If pretty, not the strongest. Yeah, if not the strongest. Overall, I'm pretty pleased with the result, especially considering haven't had the needed reinforcements yet. Really, I'm hoping we snag at least one or two players on loan before the end of the window. Um but yeah, overall, pretty pleased with how they played. Bernest Selina. Bursant. Bursant, sorry, Bursant. Selina played really well for Swansea today, really creating a lot. Ali uh, McBurney also played great. He managed to nick two goals. Oh, really? Really think he could have a, yeah, really, th- he almost had three, to be fair. Um, mm. I think he could have a really big season for us. Feeling pretty good after that. Um, like I said, just given mm. where Leeds will finish, I think it's a good result. Awesome. Then, uh, without further ado, up let's, the swans. Yeah, up the swans. Let's, let's jump. Uh, let's jump right into our uh, predictions for next week. The first one we're going to jump into is the Manchester United and Tottenham match. We'll start with Mike. What do you got for that one? Uh, this one's at Old Trafford. Uh, I've written down three-one to Spurs, but I'm kind of feeling less confident now. Maybe I'm going to say two-one Spurs. Nice. Thank right. you. Uh, I also have two on Spurs. I don't think that Man U is going to bounce back. I think that they're going to kind of go deeper into a to a negative season to start off. I've got three one Spurs winning away at Old Trafford. All right, next up we have Arsenal and West Ham United. At West Ham United at London Stadium. Do either of you guys think that uh, Arsenal's going to be able to turn it around in Week Three? Yeah, I think I put two one to Arsenal. Mm. Um. At the London Stadium? I've got the 2-1 to West Ham. Wow. Come on, you hammers. Irons. Kai. Kyle like that. Yeah, I know it's Irons, hammers. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I could I could see this going either way. I think it'll be pretty close. But I, th- I, think, I think overall Arsenal are just significantly better team for me on paper anyways. Yeah. I actually have, I have Arsenal winning three now. I think West Ham's looked pretty bad in their first two fixtures. And Arsenal, despite... Not looking great, has looked okay and shown a lot of spots. Yeah, there's been glimmers of hope for sure, and they've played. I mean, they've played two tough teams to start their season out, so they haven't exactly had an easy schedule. But uh, yeah, so I've got Arsenal three nil against West Ham. Uh, Next up, we have Man City at Wolverhampton, and uh, I've got I've got that as a yeah the Molyneux. I've got that as a. Uh, 3-1 Man City win over Wolves. Same here. Okay, got me get that. I've got... I was the one who I'm did my first. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a 2-1 Man City win. I think after scoring six goals, they might have a little bit of heavy legs, and Wolves, Wolves played well at home in week one. Um, next up for 
Game four, we've got Everton at Bournemouth. I think this is actually going to be a pretty cool game. I'm excited. Well, as an Everton fan, I'm excited for this one. That would be two. I've got that as a 2-1 Everton win, so... Hmm. That'd be right. What do you have over so there? So this is Bournemouth are obviously at home. Uh, I have wrote down Bournemouth 2, Everton blank. So obviously I have to pick that number now. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Bournemouth 2, Everton 2. I think Bournemouth have looked really, really promising. And I think Everton looked good, but I think Bournemouth will just about have enough to nick a point from Everton at home. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be I'll be happiest if Joe's result happens and we get that 2-1 Everton win, but uh, I've got a 1-1 draw on mine as well. Hmm. Um, next up, we got the fifth match of the week, Chelsea at Newcastle, St. James Park. What do you got here, Joe? You don't look too excited for this one. Yeah, I'm not too excited for this one. I've got that as a 1-1 draw. Huh. Uh, it'll be interesting. Wow. I mean, I don't know. I think Newcastle... I don't know. It's going to be one of those random <laughs> games where I don't have a real good reason for thinking that, but yeah. I'm sticking by it. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> I kind of agree with you. I, I think if Chelsea scored too early, it could end up being 5-0. But I also think if no, no one scores in the first half, it could end up being like a draw. I have down 3-1 Chelsea, so kind of a in-between the mm-hmm. two I just threw out there. Uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting because Newcastle are good at home, usually. Mm-hmm. So And they have great fans. I think if it was at Sanford Bridge, Chelsea would be winning this easily, and this wouldn't be one of the bigger games or one of the more interesting games this week. But obviously it isn't uh, at Sanford Bridge. It's at... It's at Newcastle, so... St. James Park. Yeah. Sorry, I mm-hmm. forgot that for a minute. Not forgiven. Um, I, I could... Yeah, I could see Newcastle getting a point. Probably not winning, but... Yeah, we'll see. Theo, what do you have? I've got 2-0 to Chelsea. I feel like... You know, this reminds me... Watching Newcastle fans reminds me of what it was like when I was a baseball fan for the Hanwha Eagles when I was living in Korea, and we were... Our fans were so passionate, but we always finished bottom of the table. And it was like every game was just a heartbreak. You'd go and we'd be singing songs the whole game, and then, you know what, we'd end up losing 10-1. And it was terrible. <laughs> and I feel like that's what it's like to be for, to be a fan for Newcastle. Every time I think that they're going to do well, they do poor. So even though I think they could play well at home, I'm taking Chelsea too now. Yeah, Newcastle so. are like an opposite team for me. Like in the kind of easier games... Like, against a lower team, like, say, Huddersfield, you're like, oh, Newcastle won that 2-0, and then they lose, like, 2-1, and then they, like, the next week could, like, really give Spurs a run for their money Mm -hmm. and draw 1-1 or something. I I think that's having a good manager, a big fan base, and a mix of a team. And quality and the most great players. Yeah, and a bad owner. All right, next up, let's get to the uh, Brighton at Liverpool match at Anfield. Sorry, Mike, this time, what do you got for that one? Uh, to be honest, the only real reason you would watch this game is Liverpool, um, which, I mean, is a valid reason because I think they're a good team. Mm-hmm. I actually put 4-1 to Liverpool. I think Brighton are a decent side. I'm not 100% sure. Obviously, I'm sure David Wagner has quite a bit of input on the transfers, but whoever it is has, on paper, done a, a fantastic job with the signings this summer. Martin Montoya was rock solid against United. Mm-hmm. He, he got a uh, Bong, who I mentioned earlier, was bombing up the left, and Montoya 
who is not really the typical fullback nowadays, was staying back and did not let Martial have any success in the first half. Um, and then they have Yves Basuma, who they got from, I believe, Lille in Fran- France. He hasn't really played yet, I don't think, but on paper he could be a real powerhouse. But I think Glenn Murray will be the first player to score on Allison in the Premier League for Liverpool. Score one. Oh, score on Allison. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I've got 3-1 Liverpool winning on that one, so one less than you, but still a Liverpool win. Theo? I have the same thing as you, Joe. I had a 3-1 win. Nice. I was tempted to put it at zero. I, I think it'll work out for Liverpool. Agreed. But at some point, they have to be scored on, so... What we got yeah. next? Has to happen uh, next up, we've got Watford and Crystal Palace at Watford. So would... Sorry. Yeah, let's start with Mike Sim again. What do you got? I think that'll be a really interesting game. I have 2-1 to Watford, just sudging it out because they're at home at Vicarage Road. I, I don't know what it is. I really rate Watford's chances this season. Andre Gray finally scored against his former club, mm-hmm. Burnley. Mm-hmm. He, he scored before for Watford, I think, but he's been really bad for them. But I think maybe that goal can bring him some confidence. It's kind of a lucky finish, but also class at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Jared De La Feu, once he's fit, is a top-quality player. And I think Palace are good, but I'm going to say 2 on Watford. Nice. I've got a 2-2, my, one of my first draws, I think. Uh, actually, I guess I predicted one earlier, but I agree with what you're saying there. I think Watford could be pretty good this year. Crystal Palace has been exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. I had 2-2 as well for that one. I think Palace is not going to have the same poor performance two weeks in a row, and they look so they look so sharp week one, so I think they'll come back and score a couple goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we got Southampton and Leicester. At Southampton, no Jamie Vardy. What do you guys got? Claude Puel Darby. Claude Puel, the <laughs> French manager, was at Southampton last year, and then now they is at... They hated him? Uh, they hated him so much? Yeah, they did not like him. Two he got fired ago, oh, two years ago, yep. And then he was at Leicester last year, and yeah. now he's still there. Um, he plays pretty good football. I don't really understand, or is it... Is it uh, okay, I'm not a fan from Michael, but I've got that as a 2-1 Leicester win. And then Claude Puel Darby. I have 2-0 to Leicester. What do you have for this one, Theo? Oh, this is my 0-0 match of the week, I think. <gasps> the first 0 I think... Have Luke any of us predicted a 0 nil- yeah, I, uh, I think Theo did last week, didn't oh, you? Uh, I don't think I have one last Theo. week, actually. But I'm going to take that one this week. I think losing Vardy, losing pace. They have other scoring. They yeah, have other sure. players who can score, but... I don't know. I feel like there's usually a 0-0 game... Each week, Southampton doesn't seem like they're going to score for the entire season. and <laughs> So, this is my nil-nil match. I think this is a really great opportunity for Kalachi Iannaccio, uh, obviously with Vardy out. I think Iannaccio, if he can get some momentum going while Vardy's out, maybe not keep Vardy out of the team the whole season, but get some games because Vardy's been pretty irreplaceable. Right. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh Next up, we have uh, Burnley at Fulham. Who thinks Fulham's going to finally get their first Premier League point of the season? His hands up in the air. Uh, yeah, I put 2-0 Fulham. Burnley looked terrible. Fulham have looked exciting, and they're playing at home. Agreed. Yeah, away from the turf more. I got 2-1 Craven Cottage for Fulham. I've got 1-0 to Fulham. I think Fulham deserves to get a point. Burnley did look 
very poor last weekend. They are stronger at home. Here they're on the road, especially if they play a game on Thursday. Definitely Fulham should take this one. And well, finally... Did you say one no? Yeah, I had, just had one no. Um, and then finally, 10th match of the week. The beautiful <laughs> Cardiff City at Huddersfield. Match of the Ooh. week. Who do you guys got? Top class. Huddersfield, um, the Terriers will smash Cardiff. Tear apart the Bluebirds. 6-1. Yeah, 6-1. I, I have 2-1 to Huddersfield. Uh, that will... Uh, Need no further comment. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, moving on. I've got 2 nil for that one. Theo? Um, I've actually got a 1-1 draw for that one. Oh, <gasps> I, think Carter should draws, yeah. I think Carter should get a goal. I dare you. I, I, I agree, but I, I think... I've never disagreed more with people. Huddersfield will get 2. All right. So we'll check back in with how we did uh, on the next session. Before we leave, though... Let's talk quickly about how poorly we did last week with our uh, <laughs> with our predictions. I know I personally had only one. I had that uh, Everton versus... Excuse me, who did Everton play? Southampton. I had that Everton versus Southampton 2-1 uh, victory, and I think Mike and I had the same exact one. Joe had a little something else. You had that uh, Chelsea-Arsenal match. Yeah, the Chelsea-Arsenal match, right? Um, yeah, so... Oh. Like more, right? So just one thing, just how this is gonna probably end up working is we'll obviously predict our fixtures each week, and then we will make kind of like a table, and then I'll update it throughout the season. So basically, you get two points for a correctly predicted scoreline, and one point for if you pick the right team to win or if you correctly pick a draw. So Michael's in charge of this. So if it's uh, off, then you know who did it. Yeah, but right. I got uh, two right this week. I got Tottenham 3-1 to Fulham and Everton 2-1 no, to Southampton. Wait, wait, so you're in the lead. You've got two. Me and Theo both have one. Well, it depends because yeah. you might have a bunch of the right. I, I, don't have a, I of probably have all of those right, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap it up for uh, discuss, our discussion of our week two fixtures and going into week three. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll tune in again next week. Peace. Thanks. Thanks, guys.